Awesome. Well, guys, welcome. Um, we're going to have a little counseling session for Daniel Barry. <laughs> public um, counseling. Public yeah. counseling, so <laughs> you guys can see how this works. Just kidding. Um, we're excited. If you guys can't see, feel free to like move around. I know it's, it's hard to do this in a center stage, so if you're just staring at my back, if you don't want to do that, there's seats around here, over there. Um, but we're doing something super fun today. We're doing uh, just a conversation on how the Lord leads. And uh, who is here for the sermon series this past couple of weeks? Who here was here for every single sermon? Oh. Hey, there we go. All right. If you weren't here, um, God bless you. Easy, easy. We had babies. <laughs> um, just kidding. But we're so excited. Uh, this series was, uh, I feel like it was kind of quick, but it was, it was a really like deep uh, series. And so we want to just have a conversation. Last Sunday, we uh, opened up for questions that people sent in, some that we came up with uh, that we think would just be really, really helpful and edifying and encouraging. And our hope for this is that this would just be a fun time that would grow, uh, would grow with the Lord. And uh, it's just going to be an amazing time. So you guys ready? You guys excited? All right, Daniel Barry, take it away. Yes, sir. Andrew, big fan, big fan. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so uh, just for the people who may not have made it to every single uh, service or, you know, were, have, this is their first time, first could you kind of just give a quick recap? Yes. So uh, we dove into the transformative leadership of Jesus. And one of the things we talked about is that every human being has an innate desire to be led. Uh, that Jesus has this moment where he looks at the crowd and he says that he, he's moved with compassion because they look like sheep without a shepherd. And so every human being has an innate desire to be led, to be led through hard times, they'll be led through uh, good times. And uh, what we dove into was four key, key ways that the Lord leads us. And uh, also encourage you guys to take notes if this is beneficial for you. But the fourth way is that the Lord leads us and grows us is through his voice. Okay, through speaking, uh, through his spirit, through testing, and through the church, uh, which we condense that as uh, community and leadership. So that's kind of the four ways that we dove into how the Lord leads us. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I, I, honestly, just to jump right in, uh, I think the best first question would be, um, how does somebody know that they're growing in their relationship with Jesus, like on a personal level? Like, are there, yeah. are there, are there some gauges that we can put towards ourselves yeah i'll give you like a bible answer like a like a church answer and then i'll give you like a, like a good okay. one um i think like at a basic level how we know if we're maturing with the lord is if we are bearing the same fruit right so when we look at the fruit of the spirit i think for a lot of us when we hear that we're like used to like sunday school or we just think of like a bunch of like fruit and we don't realize like how deep of a revelation it actually is uh that the fruit of the spirit is the nature of Jesus, right? So the fruit of the Spirit is the fruit that bears from the life of Jesus and Him living in us. So I would say, how do we know we're maturing in our relationship with the Lord is that we're growing fruit of the Spirit. Um, so, you know, obviously that's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I think for a lot of us, especially in our setting, uh, it's very easy to gauge maturity by anointing or to gauge maturity by gifting, uh, which there is a, a level of cultivation in that, but it also says in scripture that the gifts are without repentance. Yeah. 
So you can be super gifted and, man, super anointed and, like, man, you can yell on a microphone and you seem passionate, but internally you're actually not looking like Jesus. And so the, the, the two things, the, the, the less maybe, like, Bible answer that I would say, how do we know we're growing and maturing our walk? One thing I've seen in my own life is a good gauge to know you're growing the Lord is how quickly you can get in the presence. And so I know for me, there's been moments where, you know, you're having a a really stressful moment, like your kids are both screaming, right, in the car, and your ears are like bleeding, and you're stressed out, and like you just want to crash the car, and you're just in overload, right, how quickly you can, in the presence of my enemies, not saying my kids are my enemies, but in the presence (laughs) of my enemies, he prepares a table, right? So it's how quickly can we get to that table, Right and quickly we can the presence is usually what I see as a gauge of maturity, and I think oftentimes right the the devil has made the church believe this this lie which is which is so obviously a lie which is that we're, we we feel far from God right, yeah. and what happens is because we don't understand this is where maturity comes in how close God actually is, then it takes us harder and longer to get into his presence. So that's what I would say, number one, is how quickly you can get in God's presence, especially in hard moments. The second thing that I would say, this one's just for free, is uh, how you respond when someone offends you. Yeah, that's good. good. How you respond, look over here. (laughs) Um, How we respond when someone offends us really shows if you are maturing and you have the character of Jesus. Um, you know, you think about how humble Jesus actually is. It's actually mind-blowing. Like, it doesn't make sense that the person who spoke and galaxies formed came as a baby that needed to be nursed by his creation, that needed to be cleaned by his creation, that had to be dependent on his creation. That hung on a cross. I'm not gonna say because there's kids in the room. The way that he did, because he loved us and he wanted to bring us into proximity. That kind of humility is mind-blowing. That's what blew the, the Jews' minds was they wanted a leader who was going to come, overthrow Rome, you know, just be a militant, like, strong, powerful person, which Jesus was strong and powerful, but on the way that they wanted him to be strong and powerful, right, that he came and rode on a donkey. And so humility in the moments that someone offends you shows a lot of, of how you're representing Jesus. Yeah, wow. That's really good. That's really good. Yeah. Uh, I do want to back up a little bit. You were you mentioned, um, you know, the lies of Satan, and I th- I think that a lot of us uh, had some questions just about discerning the voice of God and being able to distinguish that from our own internal voice, and especially right. from the voice of the enemy. So, could you give like some practical steps on how to do that? Yeah, I think the question from this was like, how do we know it's our voice, mm-hmm. God's voice, or the devil's voice? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think foundationally scripture, right, is you have to know scripture. Um, but here's also where it's interesting is Satan knows scripture. Yeah. So in the wilderness, Satan throws scripture at Jesus, but it's a misinterpretation of scripture. Yeah. 
So it's, we have to know scripture, but we also have to know God's nature to interpret scripture. So this is what happens when we see, you know, churches or places using scripture to, you know, tell people what to do or in a way that's like controlling or whatever. It's because we read scripture, but we don't know God's nature, the one who spoke it. It's the same way that like I can say something and you can just hear it. I'm like, oh, you know, why did, why did he say that, you know, why did he say it that, that way? But when you actually know who I am, you understand what I'm actually trying to yeah. say. Does that make sense? Yeah. So let's say that. Um, but Romans 12, 2, we know this verse where it says, um, I have it down here. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So this is what I would say to that, is that this scripture shows, shows us if we want to know what God's will is, which the way we know God's will is through his voice, through his word, yeah. if we're going to know what God is saying, our mind has to be renewed into his patterns, not the world's patterns. So it's this process of sanctification that we can actually know what God is saying. Because the more we walk with Jesus, we're going to understand more of how he sounds. So the same thing, I get this example all the time, right? My wife, I could hear her laugh in a crowded room and know it's her because I've spent a lot of time with her. I've, I've, I'm, I've adjusted to her voice more than any other voice. So the same thing in a relationship with Jesus is the scriptures literally saying is, is you, you've conformed your mind to the voice of the world. Your, your mind is, is already pattern to think and hear the way that the world thinks and hears. So if you want to know what God sounds like, if you want to know his will, which is actually good for you and pleasing, you have to unconform, you have to unwire the patterns and the thinking of the world, and now you have to be wired into the way that God thinks. And so that's, that. I gave this example, it's like, you know, God can use anyone to say anything and it'd be prophetic, right? God can use a donkey. So it doesn't matter how, how awesome you are. Like God can use anyone. But a good way to test if something is God from someone else, right? And I'm kind of veering off the lane is how renewed is their mind? Like you can look at someone's life and how someone talks, how someone prays, how someone builds your life and you can see how renewed their life is or not. Because yeah. so a man thinks he is. Yeah, so that's, that's kind of just an extension of knowing, the, like kind of like you would know the character of God to, right. to trust what is being said to exactly. you. You have to know the character of the person. Right. Um, and I think that that, that, isn't, that is so important, but I also, I also want to kind of dig into that just a little bit more with, now say if, Say a stranger has a word for you. How do you, how do you test that? Yeah. Um, right, scripture says test the spirits. Mm-hmm. Um, every human being has discernment. Um, you have the Holy Spirit. And so yeah. you can, you have access to know what is of God and what is not. So mm-hmm. test the, the spirit that someone's operating from. Take every thought captive. Mm-hmm. This is a really good sign, especially if you're newer to like a charismatic culture. Don't just take any, anything that someone says as like 
God, um, which, you know, hopefully is common sense. But take every thought captive. I think we think that only in the sense of like the devil saying things bad to us. But take every thought captive and submit it to Christ. And, you know, you can always use scripture as a parallel of like, man, is this, which is, I feel like it's all rooted the same thing. Is, is this word that they're saying aligned with God's nature or not, yeah. right? So that's like a very basic one. Like someone's not gonna say, hey, like God's gonna wipe you out in 10 days. You're like, ah, oh, maybe that's God. I don't know. It's like, no, that's not really his nature. Um, that's, what, that's what I would say to that. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. really good. That's, uh, and I do, so to say, say we're, we're stepping into a really difficult season. Say, say we trust the character of God, we trust the nature of God and what he has said to us, but what he's leading us into is really, like, going to be a very difficult season. We can see that curving over the horizon. So how would, you, how would you give us practical steps to prepare for seasons like that? To prepare for seasons of, like, testing, is that what you're saying? Yeah, so to, to a hard season, a hard transition, God's testing, leading you into... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've all been led into hard seasons, right? Led into hard workplaces, yeah. led into hard ministries. Um, you know, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. So it's like he leads us through the valley, not around it, um, yeah. through the valley. Um, and so difficult, difficult moments in God's leadership is inevitable, so how do we engage those seasons or prepare for those seasons of God's like, hey, I'm calling you to, to go to oh, like, you know, third world country and preach the gospel. And it's like, you know it's not going to be easy. How do you prepare for that? I would say, you know, when we look at Jesus, we've talked a lot in this series about the invitation of his leadership is to ultimately be conformed into the image of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. So that's in the way that Jesus is, right, his nature, but also the way that Jesus lives. The way that Jesus is, the way that Jesus lives. So we recovered his nature, but there's also a way of life that Jesus lived, right? There are rhythms that Jesus had. So what what rhythms do we see in Jesus's life? We see that he practiced Sabbath, he rested. We see that he fasted. We see that he prayed. Uh, We see that he knew the word. The word dwelled in him richly. Um, We see that he he was humble, right? And so in this, being conformed to Jesus' image is, 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 yes, it's half what he's like, but the other half is how he lived. And so a lot of us, we want, we want the authority of Jesus. We want the power of Jesus without the life of Jesus. Mm. Mm. It's like, man, I want to be like Jesus. Do you know Jesus was spat at? <laughs> Do you know he was rejected all the time? Yeah. Do you know that he had crazy discipline? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So it's, how do we prepare for that? I think it, it's like, man, it's so easy to, to like pray once you're like in the valley. It's like, oh, okay, now I'm gonna pray once yeah. it's hard. But what happens is if you are already walking in step with him before the valley, mm-hmm. right? Living, seeing the way that Jesus lived and embodying that, then when you get in those places and you're doing the same thing, it's just hard. Yeah. That's what I'll say. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, for the, you know, we, we talked about all of this with the, um, the rest rhythms and reset. Did, was anybody here for that message or for that series? It was such an amazing series that gave us such practical steps for that. Um, and I, I do, I do want to ask though, the, the seasons of testing, are there, are there, are there good signs for us to kind of look at our life and be like, am I in a season of testing right now? Or is this a spiritual attack? Like what, what are the, the surefire signs of yeah. testing? So if you're here for the, the testing message, which is, if not, highly recommend, please listen back to that. Um, the way that I define testing is that whenever there is something difficult in your life that you have a choice to either be more dependent on him or not mm-hmm. is a test. Mm-hmm. So there's moments where God's like, here's a really difficult thing I want you to give up, mm-hmm. right? Abraham and Isaac, like, that was like yeah. very clear, a test. But then there's moments where it says that he... He allows trials to test our faith so that it comes out more purified. So whenever there's something difficult, it doesn't mean it's from God, right? The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He comes to give life abundantly. God's not going to make you sick to teach you a lesson. Mm -hmm. But whenever there's something difficult, there's a test. There's an opportunity. There's an opportunity. And, And what we talked about is like, you know, if you guys remember your Scantron sheets in like high school, bubble A, bubble B, every test, there's only two options. It's dependency or independence. So any moment you're presented with an opportunity to be more dependent on God, it's a test. Yeah. Because it's testing your faith. Yeah. So practically answer the question, how do we, you know, how do we know we're in a test or we're facing a test? I, I wrote some things down. Um, is that how do we know that we're in a season of testing is that God is calling you to let go of something you don't want to. Um, anything that we can't let go of is an idol. Anything that we aren't willing to let go of, whether it's an healthy relationship, whether it's your plans for your life, whether it's, you know, your idea of stability, whatever we're not willing to let go of that God is telling us to let go of is an idol. So that's number one. Number two is, is, is he's called you a place that is difficult. You know, for a lot of people, he's called us to a workplace that, man, it's like, it's hard. <laughs> it's a hard job. The yeah. people are hard. But you know God has given you this opportunity. You know God has opened this door. That is a moment where your faith is tested. Mm-hmm. The third thing I would say is that you're having to step out in obedience, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and then the fourth thing I would say is that he's led you to something that grows your character. Mm-hmm. If God is stretching your character, then you're in a test, because there's a, a verse, uh, I read this, um, I believe it's in Exodus. It says that God led the Israelites into the wilderness to test their character and if they would obey his commands. So God, God led them into the wilderness. It wasn't supposed to take as long as it did because they kept failing the test. But he led them there the same way that Jesus was led into the wilderness before he started his ministry. God led their lights into the wilderness to test their character and their obedience. So anytime your character is being stretched, obedience is being stretched, then it's an invitation to be tested and to grow your faith and dependency. Yeah, and, and kind of like the Israelites, it's like if the, if the test keeps getting failed, the Lord is faithful to keep giving it. Exactly. 
because he wants to see. He does, I, I love that quote that you gave with C.S. Lewis where he was, he was saying, the Lord isn't giving me a test for, uh, yes. for him to find out what my faith is. He already knows. Yes. It's me that's being tested exactly. to know, see if I know. Exactly. And I love that. I absolutely love that quote. And um, I do, I do want to shift gears a little bit. There was, there was a really good question um, that we were, we were talking over last night. Um, and it specifically is talking about how do I leave a ministry or a church? Like if I'm being oh, led into, if I'm being led <laughs> into something that God is, God is saying, hey, I want you to go over here. I want you to do this. How do we leave the, the body that we are currently a part of to move into something new? Yeah. Man, I, I think context is key. Mm. You know, how do we leave a church that we're just like leaving? Mm-hmm. I'll answer it. How do we leave a church that, that like it isn't in a good place, mm. right? So, I mean, if you're leaving a church in a good place, you know, hopefully it's, you just go somewhere else and <laughs> you tell them and that's good. But right, I, I want right. to address this in a way that I think that most of us can relate to is, you know, how do we leave a church in a way that maybe you're hurt mm. or you're just like, man, like I'm disconnected from this place. And I would say this applies to people who are actually a part of the body. Mm. So I know if there's people here, right, if, if, you've only been here for like a month and you're still filling it out and you're not really plugged in, then like if you leave, it, 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 it's different than if someone who's invested in part of this church and then they leave. So I wanna, I wanna speak to those people. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, I would say the first thing is that we have to make sure we have a good reason for leaving mm. and make sure the Lord's calling us to leave. Mm. Oftentimes people leave churches just because it's uncomfortable but God doesn't call us to comfort. Wow. You know, um, this isn't a dog on anyone, but I remember when we moved to two services. So we used to have, or sorry, when we moved to one service, for you guys that are newer, we used to have two services because um, there wasn't enough room. Um, the Lord was really growing us. But I felt like, man, we, we were, first service was like 20-minute worship. As you guys saw what just happened, that's like, that can't, this doesn't really work in our culture. <laughs> and so what we did is we sacrificed having a big church for the presence. Yeah. And we say that our, our, our culture and our mission is built around him, not around what people want and what makes people comfortable. So when we did that, so many people left because the worship was too long. So that's where, I, that's where I'll address this is if you're leaving a church, make sure it's the Lord and make sure it's a good reason. The second thing is if you have a concern or you're in a church that you're, le- you're leaving and it is a good reason, and like, man, you disagree with them or they hurt you or it's just unhealthy, you need to address it to, if you have access to the leadership, address it to the leadership or address it to whoever is your, whoever you're submitted to, whoever that you're, you know, under in that sense. And I think one of the hardest things that me and my wife have experienced in ministry, you know, we literally have people that we've like discipled for like three years and something hard comes up and they just leave. And it sounds weird, but it's actually very normal and it happens so often, surprisingly. And we're like, that's okay. Like, we're not gonna like, you know, handcuff you to a chair. <laughs> but if you're gonna leave and we've like poured into your life for like two, three years, like at least like communicate why. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. let's have a conversation, you know? I, like, maybe there's something for me to grow as a leader that I miss. Maybe there's a blind spot that I have. So oftentimes it's people just leave because they just, and I, I, I empathize, it's uncomfortable to like, hey, like this is why I'm leaving. But if you're gonna leave well, I, I would say like, you have to address it. Yeah. 
yeah. address the reason why. And then communicate that you are leaving, which is very, mm. very simple. Communicate why you're leaving. Honor the leadership for what they did right, you know, mm. um, if there's something they did right. Uh, but honor them for what they did right. And then the last thing I'll say is leave with grace. Mm. Man, so many people will leave and then they just gossip. They spread rumors or they talk trash or they're like, man, like they sucked in this, 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 and this. And it's just, it's just not the Lord's heart. Yeah. Um, and Michael Culliano, so you guys know who he is? He's Pastor Jesus' image. And he had this moment. It was, it was during like a, their service. And out of nowhere, this wasn't even his message, I don't think. But he, he, he has this moment. He said, there's people in this room that left their last church badly and poorly. You need to go back to your pastor and repent to them. Wow. And you need to apologize. And he said, if you left that church poorly, you're going to leave this church poorly. Wow. <laughs> wow. If you didn't leave that church well, you're not going to leave this church well. And that pattern is just going to continue. Yeah. And so leave with grace. Like, man, there's really bad leaders. And there's churches that do really horrible things, 100%. But people are also people, yeah. right? Like being in this position, it's not an easy position, you know? Yeah. And so leaving with grace, I would say, is like pinnacle if you're going to leave, leave a church well. Yeah, I, f- I feel like that's such a good challenge because I know even in my own, uh, even my own walk, like I had experienced church hurt from from a previous church, and and it was almost like we just we cut ties and we, yeah. we completely left, and we didn't uh, wrap up those loose ends in a way that mm-hmm. was uh, probably totally honoring. We we right. left without causing dissension or anything sure. like that. Um, and I, I think that, so when we came here, we experienced so much healing through the leadership that I think now I'm able to, or right. at, at least so, after receiving that healing, I was able to realize, uh, oh man, there are probably some things that I should have done differently. And, and the structure had completely changed at that church sure. that we had left. And so it was like, it was almost like Haunted. my moment, my moment to, to make that honorable had, mm. had, had passed. Yeah. And um, so I, I think that to kind of move uh, into that next, the next question is how, how would you go from an unhealthy submission or, or something like that church hurt and how would you move into a place of healing and, and, uh, and, and kind of move past that? Yeah. Um, counseling. <laughs> mm-hmm. Counseling, inner healing, um, definitely important. Yeah. Um, how do you, how do you, reframe the question, how do you move on from an unhealthy church. Yeah, an unhealthy submission, yeah. Submission culture. Uh, move into a healthy one. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what you just said, right? Yeah, yeah. Like your story, you came from an unhealthy church and then you came here and it healed your view of church yeah. and leadership. Um, again, if, you're, if you weren't here last Sunday, listen to, we mm-hmm. talked about church hurt and stuff like that. And that was really good. Um, but I would say, you know, like you have to separate God's nature from the person that hurt you or the church that hurt you. Um, Unfortunately, that happens so often, and this is why we see people leave the church or people deconstruct or people fully walk away. It's because someone in the church hurt them, not Jesus, but it was enough to send them out. Mm. And I gave this example, you know, my wife, when, you know, we went on vacation. Paige was there. Jeff was there. And uh, we're in Guatemala, and we went to, uh, they, they got breakfast at this just breakfast place. And it, got, it gave them food poisoning. 
and they were literally like bedridden for like four days puking, and I won't give any more details. Um, <laughs> and it was like we're on vacation, and it's like they're in bed, and it's just me and Jeff hanging out in Guatemala, going on lunch dates. Um, but we tracked it down to an egg that gave them food poisoning. It was like there was the egg that they had in their breakfast was bad. And what I said last week was like, man, it wouldn't make sense for, for them to be like, I'm never going to eat eggs ever again. I'm never going to eat breakfast. I'm going to skip breakfast every day for the rest of my life because this was bad breakfast. Like, we don't do that. Yeah, yeah. Right? We just don't go to that breakfast place. <laughs> we just don't get eggs there. Right, right, right. right. Not all breakfast places are bad. Yeah. Not all eggs are bad, just that one was. <laughs> and uh, the same thing, right? It's like if the disciples were to stop following Jesus because of Judas, mm-hmm. then it wouldn't, then yeah. what's their faith in the first place? Yeah. So, and again, I'm not, you know, I, I empathize, empathize because I've been there and it's hard. And this is where like, and, and I think the culture and our desire here and the culture that we're building here is like, Man, we don't want to build people whose faith is like in what we're doing, mm. but like in what he's doing here, mm. right? Because what happens is like we, we're, we're building like a worship experience and culture and it's cool and it's creative and it's big and it's like exciting and it's fun, but it's like our, our faith is like in the experience and in the people, but not the person. And so what happens is when the experience fails you, you're like, man, worship wasn't that good today. <laughs> or like, man, like the slides weren't working and like the experience wasn't that great. Like, man, Andrew's message kind of flopped, right? It's like your anchor isn't in us. Yeah. It's in him that we're building around. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think to, to kind of provide a little bit more, uh, a little bit more background for that healing process for, mm, for me and my, my wife was we, um, you know, we had come from that, from that structure that had so hurt us. And we, for probably a year and a half, we didn't go back to church. And I, I've shared this with a number of people uh, here that it's just like we, we had just, we had lost so much faith in church leadership. Uh, it was almost like we still believed in in the Jesus behind right. the ministry. It was just the, the people. Yeah. It was yeah. like the structure of church just hurt us so much. And we really just, we joined the leadership at breakthrough just because we knew you guys so well. And, and it was like, Oh, well, if they're asking us, it's, they obviously see something. Yeah. And those leadership meetings, it was more than just the Sunday morning. The, the leadership meetings turned into our church, whereas just like we were getting poured into by such a healthy body that right. we, all of that, um, all, all of those pains and all of those those hurts that we sometimes didn't even realize were there just started to melt away. And I think that last week when you talked about community, like God brings us into community to heal us. Mm-hmm. Like that was so exemplified for me in that season because it's just That's like we, we never would be where I am right now and where Maddie is right now. We would never be there if it weren't for the healing that we experienced in right. this community. So uh, to kind of piggyback off of that, could you give a little bit more... Uh, a little bit more practical steps on how to practice healthy submission mm-hmm. um, to kind of to kind of put a little bit more detail into what we were experiencing when we were experiencing that community and that healing. Yeah. Um, so, what is submission? If you weren't here last last week, you're probably like, "What are they talking about?" <laughs> uh, I like to call it the the S word, like the, <laughs> the, the church cuss word. Um, all right. So, 
Last week we talked about, uh, I think, Hebrews 16, 17. Mm-hmm. Or 13, 17. Um, 13, 17. Uh, it says, as it says, uh, trust or obey and submit to your leaders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it says, obey and submit to your leaders for they keep watch over your soul. And they are held accountable to God. Let this be a joy for them, not a burden, for that is no benefit to you. So it isn't just like submit and obey, like do whatever they say. It's like, no, you do this because they actually care for your soul. Like they, they are caring for your soul. And not only that, because they are accountable or they are responsible for your soul, they're accountable to God. So, the verse, honestly, for me, reading it, it's like, this is like more weight on leaders than it is on for yeah, people. Yeah, I it's have like, the same feeling. Like, as a leader, if you're a leader in the room, if you're a husband in the room, if you're a mom in the room, if you're a leader in whatever capacity in a spiritual role, it's like, yeah, that's awesome. Like, people, you know, God tells them to submit and obey, but for you, you're in charge of their soul, man. And you're accountable to God for that. Um, so the word submit, we broke it down last week, is it means to yield to someone's authority. And the word obey means to be convinced by. So uh, I gave this example. Uh, my, my mentor, Lau Phillips, he is way more experienced than I am in ministry. They've built a church, you know, three times longer, three times bigger, three times more beautiful and structured, whatever. And just have so much more experience. So when he tells me something about church leadership or structure, because I know him, I know his track record, I know his history, I know his intention, I know his heart for me, that when he says something, I'm convinced by it. I I don't need him to convince me when he tells me to do something. I don't need him to convince me when he gives me wisdom because his life has already convinced me, so I obey him, right? And obviously that is held to scripture, that's held to God's authority first, Right, if he's gonna tell me to do something that's like not from the Lord, I'm not gonna do it. You know, that's dumb. But if I'm ever going to reap the benefit of his leadership in my life, I have to be convinced by and yield to his authority. So how do we heal from an unhealthy version of that into a healthy version of that? Is you find leaders worth submitting to. You find healthy leaders that you are convinced by their life, right? The other verse in Hebrews, I think earlier in that passage, um, it says that, that uh, find, find a leader essentially uh, whose life is worth imitating. And so finding a leadership, a spiritual leader, a mentor in your life who you're convinced by the fruit of their life so that you can actually reap, right, their leadership. Because if, if, if someone is leading you and you never obey them, then you're not following, <laughs> They're not a leader. You're not going to grow, right? The point of leadership that God has given us in the church, just in the body of Christ, is to help us grow in our walk with Jesus to look more like him, right? Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. It's not just follow Andrew to follow Andrew. It's follow his leadership, right? So that you can become more like Jesus. Yeah, so could you talk a little bit more about how you find a spiritual a mentor, yeah. Like how you how you select one, how you even go about asking them or having them ask you to yeah. disciple you. Yeah. Does anyone care about this question? You guys want to know that? Okay. <laughs> um, such a good question. Uh, how do you 
find a spiritual mentor, someone to disciple you, um, et cetera, et cetera. You know, obviously the Lord has, you know, one of the things we talked about is that church is God's idea and church structure is God's idea. Church leadership is God's idea, right? It says that Christ gave prophets, teachers, evangelists, pastors, apostles to build up his body. So that's not our idea, right? God has already given us default leadership in your life. If you're part of the church, God has given you leadership. So you have default leadership that is supposed to keep watch of your soul. This is why when churches get so big, it's hard because what happens is we have a personality or someone on the stage and, and we, we say that they're our pastor, which they are in a sense, but if they're not actually shepherding you right through what they're saying, what they're doing, if you've not given them access into your life, you're missing the, the benefit of that. And so that's yeah. why as a church grows, you need more pastors, you need more people. But answer your question, how do I find a leader? This is interesting. Uh, so I, I disciple three guys mm-hmm. and um, I really have a burden for discipleship and, and our leadership knows this and we've hammered this in our leadership, the importance, the importance of being discipled and discipling others. And I wanna give this away to everyone. Um, discipleship is key, right? Go and make converts. No, it doesn't say that, right? Go and make home group leaders. It doesn't say that. Go and make worshipers. It says go and make disciples. Um, And so the point of discipleship, this is my definition. The point of discipleship is to lead people to be discipled by Jesus. So it's interesting because I know when I started discipling people, I was like, man, I'm gonna disciple people like they need to come to me, mm. right? If, I, if I'm gonna mentor people and give people my time, like they need to come to me. And I had a revelation and I was like, wait, like that's not what Jesus did. Jesus went to them. Yeah, yeah. And he said, hey, I wanna disciple you. Come follow me. Wow. Let go of what you're doing, follow me. But so it's this unique dichotomy of like as someone who wants to disciple others, this is for all the, mothers and fathers in the room, all the people that have a call to disciple, is you have to invite, first I would say is you have to have a, a life worth duplicating. Mm, yeah. Because we don't need to disciple our mess, mm. right? Mm. Have a, a life worth duplicating. If not, you know, start there first. Yeah. But see people around you that God has put in your sphere in your environment um and one ask the lord lord like who are you highlighting for me to pour into who's someone that you know i see potential in like that's the thing with the guys that i've discipled is like man there's potential in all of them that i really want to grow almost all of them don't have the same calling that i do (laughs) almost all of them one's called a business one's called a music right almost all of them are called to different things but i see potential in them that i want to grow and what, how it started was they actually asked me first. So this is, this is where it gets interesting, right? Because Jesus asked disciples, um, but he also only asked 12 specific people in the entire world population. Um, so it, it's two ways. Are you guys tracking? Are you guys getting confused? Um, if there's someone, this is for someone who wants to be a disciple, wants a spiritual mentor. If there's someone in your sphere, ask them, Right, you have not because you ask not. My life yes, motto. Yes, man. People are like, man, that person never like. I never got poured into. I'm like, well, you gotta ask. Yeah. But this is where the like the like chain reaction happens is 
every one of my guys that I'm a disciple asked me first. But when I said yes, what I, what I told them was this, is, is I appreciate you asking me because now I know the need's there. But I want you to know that I choose you. Okay, that's good. So, yes, you asked me first, but I want you to know I'm not just saying yes because you just asked me. Mm-hmm. I'm saying yes because I, I want to choose to disciple you. Okay. So, does that make sense? That increases the intentionality. It's mutual. Yeah. Right. It has to be mutual. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just someone that, like, you know, kind of has access but right. hasn't actually... Is it the same page? And I also feel like that's such a challenge for the people, like you said, that are uh, the, the mother, the mothers and fathers in the room that are the leaders called to discipleship. Is that we have kind of a challenge on us to to find those people and to be like, hey, I see a lot in you that I, I that I think has a lot of potential and that yeah. I think God can really use, and to step out in faith and be like, hey, I want to disciple you. Right. Um, do you think that that should be a choice, or do you think it should be like a, hey, follow me? <laughs> Should you give them the option? I mean, you can't force him to do anything. You know? <laughs> That's true. That's true. I mean, Jesus, Jesus can do it because he's Jesus. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's a choice. Like, every relationship's a choice. Every yeah. marriage is a choice. Yeah. Every person you, you know, you're dating, it's, it's a choice. You're choosing them. Um, here, uh, raise your hand if you feel called to disciple people in the room. Mm. All right, look around. Put your hand down. Wow. Raise your hand if you want to be discipled in the room. Mm. All right. There you go. Meet each other. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I do. So I love, one of the things that I absolutely love and that I I tell so many people that I love is the fact that you are willing to to have a spiritual mentor, to have somebody that's guiding you. And I wanted to ask a question about that that relationship, whether it was with Lyle or with the Pass, previous yeah. mentors, what has been the hardest thing that they've asked you to do that has been the most beneficial? Yeah. Um, there's, there's one moment, and I, I think I've shared this before, but breakthrough, this was like, man, maybe three years ago before I moved to La Vida, we're meeting in this really old church, and it was like, I don't know, like 500 people seating church. There weren't 500 people. There were like 20. And uh, it was a struggle. And it was like right after COVID, like everyone left our church. and It was rough. Backslid, just kidding. Um, <laughs> and it was just, it was a hard time to do church. And it was like the building wasn't the right fit. And I was talking to my mentor about it. And, and we have about four minutes. But I, I was talking to my mentor about it. And I was like, wow, like, you know, I just don't understand. I was like, we have the best leadership. Right at that time, all of our leadership, what I thought was the best leadership were all like in their like 40s, 50s. I was like, yes, like we're gonna, we're gonna crush it now. We have 40 and 50 year olds and uh, we have this big church. Like we can fill it up to like 400, 500 people and just, it was going nowhere. And I was like, in my heart, I was like, Lord, you know, at this time it's probably been like four or five years that we've been doing breakthrough. I'm like, Lord, is our season done? Like, I'm good to retire. Just kidding. Uh, I'm good to like go and live on a beach and uh, do TikTok ministry. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> please don't. Um, and I was like ready to close down breakthrough. I was like, this is it. Like our, our season here is done. Like we fulfilled the call in Lynchburg. 
Um, and I was talking to my mentor and I was like, I don't understand. Like everything on paper looks like we should be growing. Like we're doing all the right things. And he told me this thing that changed our church. And I didn't want to do it. You guys ready for this? Blow your mind. He said, you have to move to morning service. That was it. Because we were a night church. We met yeah. like seven, seven o'clock at night. It was, I don't know why we're doing that. We're just younger than I guess and have kids. <laughs> and we're starting to have kids. And, you know, I think we actually were at like five o'clock then or six o'clock. Yeah, we had changed the time because we had kids. And it was like, you have to be the morning service. That's why your church isn't growing. And at that time, like, we would have what I call double dippers, where uh, they would go to their real church in the morning and tithe the real church and serve in the real church, but then would come Sunday night and get their spiritual high, and then they'll, they'll leave. And you're not actually growing a church because you can't grow on people that you can't build on. Right. And he was like, you need to move, move to morning service. He's like, realistically, the American church, they go to church Sunday morning. That's where all the people's at. And for whatever reason, I, like, did not want to do it. Because I have this image of like, we're pioneering something new and like cool and creative and like we're gonna be a night church and reach all the, you know, people that don't want to go to morning church because morning church is boring and blah, blah, blah. It was just like, it was immature. And he called me out on it and he was like, you need to move to morning service and when you do, your church is gonna grow. Wow. And I fought it, one, because like it was like, it felt impossible because, you know, every church meets at a morning. So how are we gonna be in the morning? We can't buy a building. And literally after that conversation, why our church wasn't growing was because I was actually lacking vision. And the Lord gave me vision, which was presence, family, mission, which is our core, core values here now. And randomly got in contact with the owner of Levita before they opened Levita. And we actually looked at this building during COVID, but we, it was like nowhere what we could afford. And so the owner of Levita, they bought it, I reached out to them, shared our heart, shared a vision. And then we moved here morning service. And that was August, like almost three years ago, two, two and a half years ago. And in the first month, right, because this, this church was, or this building was like almost like double, triple of like what we're paying in rent. We had to buy tons of new equipment. You know, I think we had to drop like 10K just to move in here. That was like all we had. We like em- emptied our bank, bank account in faith. And in the first month, our church tripled wow. Wow. in attendance and in giving. Wow. And so all that money we spent came back in the first month. Yep. So you didn't have to wait long for all, of, uh, all that Lyle said to come true. <laughs> yeah. And it was true. Wow. Wow. But it wasn't easy. No, no. Because this is the thing, guys, with leadership is they see blind spots. And this is, this is why we need leadership in our life. People that we're accountable to is because if we're not accountable to anyone, then we're living with tons of blind spots. Mm. Yeah. And this is how leaders hurt people because they're not accountable to anyone. Mm. This is why we build things that aren't sustainable because we're not accountable to anyone. Yeah. So that's what I got. Man, that's really good. And we are running out of time, but I do want to let you guys know that if you... If you've been blessed by this series and you feel like you missed something, please go back and listen to the podcast. We have all of it online. You can listen to it all, but there's so many great things just giving you perspective and vocabulary on how God leads. So please, please go look that up if you need it. It's there. Uh, But thank you so much, Pastor Andrew. We really love, we love what you're bringing to the church. We love your words. So thank you. Thank you guys. Awesome.
Um, just want to bless the people who have been staring at the back of my head for the past hour. <laughs> God bless you. I know, you're, I know you're focused right now. I can tell. Um, I want to pray, just bless our body, and uh, just, yeah, just bless what the Lord's doing.